Um, well, let's just start with the first one. Cool. Uh, what was the first one? Greetings, Matthew. Greetings, Michael. Podcast. Indeed. Hello, and welcome to Hacking the Grepson, where we hack the Grepson eventually. Stay tuned. One day we will actually hack the Grepson, whatever that means to you, uh, but not today. Today, we're going to be talking about a much lighter topic, software ethics. <laughs> um, what ha- that's, a, that's a weighty topic, Mike. No, no, it's light as a feather, Matt. Uh, it's just about like, hey, you write software. That software is used to do something that maybe is not above water, uh, ethically speaking. Uh, is that a good or a bad thing? Is it your fault? Is it the company you write it for's fault? Is it the code's fault? Um, I don't know. Let's get into it. Um, so ethics. Uh, as far as I know, at least in philosophy, there's ethics and morals. And at least ethics, is, I generally think, is as more of a kind of a like societal this is okay this is not okay but it it, it doesn't feel as heavy as morals which are which tend to be more personal I don't know I feel like there's some overlap but basically like if you know do I think that uh cutting someone off on the highway is ethical uh I mean if we want a civilized society I should probably avoid that and or if somebody does it to me, I should probably not stop and get out and, you know, shoot a rocket launcher at their car to knock them off the, the road because I feel they're a menace to society. Now, I mean, that's just one way to look at it. But how do you look at ethics and software, Matt? Now, since I'm going off the rails well, quickly, I, I, <laughs> I suppose we should probably a little bit talk about ethics versus morals, just since you brought it up. Then we'll get into uh, rocket launchers. From my understanding morals is like the like the guidelines um and ethics are more about the specifics of like this case or this specific oh. rule um, okay i think i think that's how but there's a but there's a big overlap in that's the what middle i thought of yeah like what you actually do what what is right and wrong right and i think it's that that right and wrong that we're really talking mm-hmm. about here um i took an entire course on this like a semester-long course on this in college so we're probably not going to get it into the next 18, 20 minutes or so of this conversation. So I think we should just talk very high level about where does where do ethics and morality even come into play in software development, right? Because, right? I mean, like intrinsically, you know, code at its core, as a computer understands it, is literally just zeros and ones. And I don't see how a zero or a one is intrinsically ethical or not ethical, moral or not, or immoral. So how does, how does code become, you know, like judge, how can code be judged? And is it, is it, you know, like, like, like I said, the person writing it, if they write it, you know, with malicious intent, like code that does something that does harm, is that bad? Or is it just, I write code that's neutral and then someone else uses it but am I still responsible? Like, do you have experience specifically with wrestling with these ideas? Because I, I don't really feel like I do. In general, most of my code has been pretty personal for fun or for companies that generally 
don't do bad things in the world as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. <laughs> that I know, I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think I, I think there's a couple of different ways of, of looking at it. Um, there's my code was if your code can directly affect people's lives, if you're writing code that goes into like a machine at a hospital that delivers radiation, mm-hmm. as an example, yeah. uh, you have a moral and ethical responsibility to make sure that that is functioning properly so you don't accidentally irradiate patients to death, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you're writing avionics software, uh, you have a moral and ethical responsibility to make sure that you're not relaying incorrect information causing the pilot to crash, right? Things like that. Um, where it does get murkier, uh, and you ask for specific examples, like, what if your ethics conflicts with the ethics of, like, the company you work for? Um, so I used to work for a defense contractor. I am very much a pacifist and very anti-war. Uh happens that the military equipment that I was writing software for was for a search and rescue helicopter for the Royal Australian Navy. I felt okay about that. Mm-hmm. But I also worked on software there that helped, uh, that was like literally helping people on a battlefield communicate with each other. My morals were definitely, I, I, I questioned the morality of even working on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the one hand, it's just communication software. I'm not telling people how to use it. Right. On the other hand, I know who's going to use this. And ultimately, like literally the first word in that project was battlefield. Uh, <laughs> um, I know it's going to be used in warfare. Do I? So the, there's the morality of like, should I even work on this? Which I don't think you and I probably are super equipped to discuss. But mm-hmm. I think we can probably talk about those other cases of like, all right, I'm writing this software. How do I keep my ethical responsibility to ensure that it's not going to unintentionally hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. There's the intentional side of it, which philosophers have been arguing about that stuff forever, right? We're going to solve it today. Yeah. So we're going to solve it, right? (laughs) Uh, Utilitarianism is the only way. No. Um, (laughs) Cause there are, cause there's whole fields of philosophy that would discuss whether or not like what you did is not, is not, I made the gun. You're the one who right. shot. I was going to bring that up as an example. That seems like the obvious one. Yeah. Right. Um, again, I think that probably dives into the uh, into areas that we are not necessarily capable of. Uh, not capable is the wrong word. It's that we uh, that we we are, we are not uh, we're not authorities on yeah, that. Yeah, and stuff. it's not the. F- I've studied ethics quite a bit. It's not the focus <laughs> of this podcast to. Uh, yeah, figure out philosophy and what you should and shouldn't do. But, uh, but when it comes to programming, you know, there is that side of what happens to your code once you've written it and it's in production. So yeah, please continue. Yeah. So that example I, I, I mentioned about like the hospital Mm -hmm. and like you are writing software for a machine that is giving out radiation. That is a real example of something that went wrong. Uh, not in my own career, but in, uh, it was one of the things we studied in that course is this this machine, well, I believe it was doing chemotherapy, was programmed to give out a certain level of radiation, but there was uh, some bug in the code that caused it to give way too much radiation and was ultimately causing more problems than it was solving. 
then the questions came up there like who is responsible for that like that's one area of the morality uh that i think we could talk about and then the other is like how do you avoid getting into that situation in the first place um you could choose to never work on anything that could have real world consequences um that's difficult to do Mm uh but you know uh, i'm currently nothing i write is going to cause somebody to die uh i believe that is also true for you but i have worked on avionics software Like, literally, the display software for a military helicopter, if I screwed that up, yeah, someone could die. So, like, the testing involved in that was much more rigorous. Um, So, I think think that's that's sort of, like, the two areas that would be interesting to discuss is who's responsible if the software screws up? And I think we talked about that a little bit on our AI episode. Mm -hmm. And then the other is, like, what what you can do to make sure that you are – covering your own butt uh, <laughs> on your own morality to make sure that you are confident that you didn't, you know, you did your due diligence and whatnot. Um, so which of those would you like to start? Um, well, let's just start with the first one. Cool. Uh, what was the first one? Uh, well, it wasn't the making <laughs> sure you do the due diligence, but like okay. choosing whether to so, work okay. on something so, or not. Whether, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I think, I, I actually, I think who's responsible, mm. right? I wrote the right. code. Someone else tested it. Someone else put it on the machine. Someone else used right. it. Right. There's there's the company that hired me to do it. All of that, the the morality of like who is responsible ethically for a patient's death in that. Like, let's just take that hospital okay. scenario. Actually, no, let's not. Let's take my <laughs> scenario. Let's take the scenario that actually that is mine. Okay. Right. I wrote software that that was the display software for a helicopter. Okay. It told them. There is a person here that wants to kill you, and there's a person here that doesn't, right? If that was wrong, if I swapped the colors and the symbols on those two tracks, who is responsible there? Because I wrote that code. I wrote that code. Someone else tested it. I was hired by a company to do it. I had managers that were responsible. Um, I had teachers who taught me how to write code. Uh, I had a lead, <laughs> right, the architect of that project. Yeah. Our company was actually a subcontractor to a subcontract, right? Like, and then there's the people who are actually flying, right? right? The pilot himself uh, or themselves who are looking out and they're like, well, I'm going to trust my instrument. Who's responsible if I wrote code that was buggy in that situation for some inevitable death? Huh. Unintended death. Right. <laughs> um, man, that is a good question. I- I'm not sure I have the right answer. I mean, did well, uh, a question I would have is, did your software ever actually have a bug in it? Maybe not that dire, but something where it came back to you like, hey, Matt, something you wrote in here was not right. You need to fix it. And here's something that almost happened because of it. Um, There have been things that were caught in testing that could have been uh, quite problematic. So it's the testers' fault the real world. if they don't catch it, it's it's on them. I mean, they should be catching that stuff, right? I mean, or maybe the person who wrote the requirements in the first place, which is what testers tend to test oh. against. Maybe no one thought to test. It. Yeah, edge case. The, there was a whole. We had a whole department at Georgia Tech Research Institute that, like, or like, not a department. That there, there's a whole department there that's human machine interface focused, mm-hmm. and like, we met with them to help design the. Maybe they screwed right. up, right? Like, there's so many places it could go wrong. Um, I think it's kind of everybody. I think everybody involved there needs to do their best to make sure that it, they're not 
just throwing caution in the wind, being like, oh, it's somebody else's problem to pick this up, right? right? If the Georgia Tech guys were like, yeah, that's how uh, – that's good enough for what this looks like. And the pilots that were in those meetings went, eh, um, I'll figure I'll, – I'll remember right. that. Even, it doesn't make sense, but I'll, I'll remember <laughs> that that's a little silly. Yeah. That's probably not my fault um, because I don't know – I don't know better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I write the code and they say this should be red and this should be blue, red bad, blue gr- blue good, mm-hmm. um, and I maliciously or, or not swap those – uh, that's my right. fault. But then it's also, I believe, the responsibility of other people at that company to ensure that no one person can make a mistake that's big enough to cause that kind of catastrophe. Right? It's the testers should absolutely be checking to make sure that I didn't that I didn't do it intentionally or unintentionally because I could be a bad actor. You don't right. know. Um, I mean, well, I mean, the more you say it, the more my initial gut reaction of the testers being the culprit. But regardless of that, because like you said, there's a lot of parties involved. It's not just one thing. Um, So in the end, though, like how do you actually – like let's say someone actually did die unintentionally because of a bug. Like the colors were swapped. You didn't swap them maliciously. But somewhere down the line – that you know it, it uh it, you know something went wrong and it was it was read incorrectly or just op- operated on incorrectly like i mean a person a human life was lost so g- you know generally like if you murder someone uh unintentionally uh you know manslaughter i guess uh you accidentally hit them with your car you know you didn't mean to hit them with your car but you still hit them and they died yeah. uh you know y- but my tesla's autopilot you know went out of control and and hit someone right right but but i mean like uh you know somebody has to have a consequence or do you just take the normal consequence and divide it amongst all the potential responsible parties and everybody gets six months in jail as opposed to one person getting five or something i don't know in in my mind what that boils down to is have you i I believe a person's responsibility ends when they have done have made reasonable uh, choices to ensure that that didn't happen, mm-hmm. right? They made a best effort. Mm-hmm. Um, you can never perfectly test sure. a system. It's pretty much not possible, especially the more complex system that it is. Um, you can't uh, necessarily write code that's bug-free, but you can make sure that you tried mm-hmm. to write it bug-free, that you that you did your due diligence where you were confident that it was bug free. Um, and then, you know, at some point your code's going to interact with someone else's code, unless you're writing the entire thing and someone needs to test that. So maybe the integrators at that point, if like, depending on where I am in that process, I'm going to want to make sure that I am avoiding stupid mistakes, that I am making a best effort to ensure safety of whoever's going to use my system. Right. Um, I, I, mean, I don't know if you remember uh, the Challenger explosion. Uh, I, I do, um, yes. Do you remember what caused that? Wasn't it like a faulty O-ring or something? Yeah, it was like a, it was like a rubber washer and O-ring. And if they would have done and, more thorough testing, they would have noticed it, but they didn't. And when it got cold, right. it cracked. Right. right. Whose responsibility is that? I don't know. Um, like That kind of thing is, is very similar. Someone made that O-ring, right. and they probably said, this is the valid range of temperatures at which this operates and someone probably said 
well, we're never going to go below that. Right. Here, because it's on Earth. Um, so, yeah, it's safe to put that in because these are the operational parameters I was told that we need to operate in. Right. And then – so then it's the person who said that, oh, it was those operational parameters. And <laughs> and then, well, I just looked at the weather and I saw for the next – you know, it's never going to get below right. 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. And then there was a freak storm or whatever. Right. You know, everyone did their best their best bet, and then someone lost the thread on the fact that, oh, if this one thing gets out of alignment, da, 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 right. right? And I don't know who that person is, but like that, you know, there needs to be a buck stops here type of person in those scenarios in yeah, my mind. Well, I mean, isn't it, I mean, isn't that exactly what like supervisors and managers are for? You know, they're, they're the buck so. stops here people, because even if like a developer made uh, a mistake, uh, you know, even unknowingly, like the person who catches the heat is their manager, not the developer. Yeah. So, well, I, I've always viewed the role of a lead or a manager to be stopping the crap from rolling downhill. Right. And, 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 and if it, and if the crap builds up, they're the one who is responsible for it, no matter where it came from. Um, yeah. so, so my question then is like, I feel like, uh, the question of ethics in anything, but just in like software, you know, there are certain projects that obviously have much higher stakes. Like there's not a lot I can do on like the company website that I'm working on that can cause much harm directly, even indirectly. So I feel like the stakes are low. And so this is not going to come up, but obviously working for a defense contractor, the stakes are just naturally higher. And so can you even operate using the same ethical frameworks that I would be working on? And, and should you, you know? Um, I think I think you have to be more mindful of the potential consequences of your actions in general with ethics and morale, yeah. right? Like I do a thing – if I decide to get in my car right now and just start driving uh, with a blindfold on, yeah. the consequences of that are quite dire. Yes. Uh, if I decide to sit where I am right now and put a blindfold on, the consequences are quite low. Yeah. Uh, because I doubt anyone's going to care, except maybe you, because yeah. you can't look at my beautiful eyes. Yes. Uh, I dire don't know. Um, consequences. <laughs> dire consequences. <laughs> um, so I, it, it is really incumbent on the person who is in the scenario where they're creating that, right, to know what the potential ramifications of a mistake are. Mm-hmm. I write code now that is used by developers – Inside my company, like I write internal tools and then the company itself is not doing anything that's likely to kill somebody unless you start looking at bigger picture, like financial consequences, which is a whole other thing, which I don't know enough about uh, to even remotely talk about. Um, So like I have much less worry here than I did, you know, at my first job out of college at the defense contractor, which is fantastic. Um and so the I can make more risky uh, choices. Mm-hmm. Um, I could introduce more technical debt, for example, uh, and take shortcuts here or there. Um, I can maybe not as rigorously test something because it's going to be used by like three people. And if it breaks, I can fix right. it. Right. Those are reasonable precautions to take because there's everything in software – uh, this is what I always said when I was when I was uh, in an architecture 
position was everything's trade-offs, mm-hmm. right? I can add more security, but then the usability of the system's lower. I can add uh, speed, but now the code's more difficult to read. Um, I can, you know, there's it's always trade-offs. Yeah. And so, like, at a company level, they need to be aware of this and say, okay, uh, I need you to get this this missile code written uh, today. And I, I think it's, if you can't do that safely, it's your ethical responsibility to say, hey, product manager, no, yeah. uh, I can't do that in a way that will not cause the missile to explode uh, and kill that orphan. Right. Right. Like that. That's, it's always an orphanage, right? It always Old cartoons, is. it's always an orphanage. You know, you reminded me that uh, I did used to work for uh, the health system, and we had a web app that actually was tracking uh, insulin. And so it was sort of like a place where nurses could put in insulin for certain patients, like how much they need to get uh, per hour or what, like that. And that was like a 24-7 has to be up, has to be working. And when I was on call, I did get called a couple times saying like, hey, we can't reach the thing or it's giving me an error. And so that was an area actually where it was very important, not only that it worked, but that it was accurate and that it was up. And I left the health system, not just not because of that app specifically, but because of those kinds of high stakes where the ethics yeah. of my code and and my DevOps really was way more paramount than, you know, working for uh, where I work now. And so th- that leads me to the question of like, since you knew working for a defense contractor was going to have higher stakes and your ethics and morals were going to be tested more rigorously, then why even choose to work there? Just the money or? Uh, I needed, I needed money. money. Uh, it was, it was the first job that offered me a first company that offered me a job out of college. Actually, I was still in college technically when they offered it to me and it seemed interesting. And again, I was working on a search and rescue helicopter, so I didn't mind taking on the extra ethical burden of making sure it was done right because i was willing to spend that time and effort on that project like it's a much slower going um process to to develop software in those types of environments healthcare tends to move slow if you look at the military and its its projects they go on for like decades mm-hmm. uh before they'll they're, they'll be done building whatever new you know uh fighter jet that mm-hmm. they're building or whatever and that goes with, for the software on there as well so like if everyone involved is aware that like yeah the pace is going to be slower and you're willing to live with yeah. that and do the work to make it work properly um it's not so bad but it's you know it's it's a little bit more exhausting quite frankly and it's less fun certainly uh, I prefer to move fast and break things. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you knew now uh, what you knew then, or yeah, if you knew then what you knew now about what the work was going to be like, would you even take a job like that now? My own personal ethics have changed a lot in the last 20 yeah. years. You were very so pro probably not before, just. Sure. <laughs> I just didn't care as much. I didn't think about yeah. it, honestly, is what it was. Missiles are cool. Uh, and as I've gotten yeah. older, yeah. Well, again, I was searching rescue helicopters. Like, I don't care. It had missiles, but they were to kill pirates. Right. So whatever. Um, uh, I thought pirates are cool. No, ninjas uh, are cool. Sorry. But, yeah, robot p- 
Pirates yeah. and ninjas. Um, I probably wouldn't take a job at a defense contractor anymore unless I needed to for the right. money, right? Because I had to survive. Yeah. Um, but I would try to avoid it in general. And if I were to say take a job for I, – I think healthcare is a really good example mm-hmm. of a place where, like, that is not – in and of itself, like you're, you're generally not going to have a problem morale, morality wise with helping people, people trying to save yeah. people's lives. Yeah. Right. Uh, I hope not. Anyway, um, I would take that job for my own personal, personal ethics, but then I would need to be willing to take on that, that mental burden mm-hmm. of like, yeah, this could have repercussions and the anxiety that that can build up. Um, I handle anxiety a lot better now than I did 20 years ago. Thank you, medicine and mm-hmm. therapy. Uh, Word. But I don't know that I would go into that now unless I felt like I was in a position where I could directly improve mm-hmm. the robustness of that system. Yeah. Like I have experience with a lot of things that you know. I have I have 20 something years of experience in in software development. I understand how to make systems more reliable than say someone fresh out of college would. Mm-hmm. So if, if there was a startup company that was looking for someone, I might be willing to take that on because I know that I could help, mm-hmm. but I would also feel a lot of personal responsibility knowing that, Oh, I'm the experienced one here. I need to really ensure that the the framework we're building in can prevent these. Or, you know, if there is a problem or a potential problem or a place we can't test, run that up the chain. So everyone knows. Yeah. Because at some point, there's only so much you as a as a as a grunt, <laughs> uh, you know, code monkey is actually able to accomplish. You can say, "Hey, this is a problem," and not do it. Right. Uh, but then someone else is going to do it. But if you can make it known to everyone, like, and th- this is why there's whistleblower uh, laws, right? <laughs> it's just so people can do this. Uh, th- it's not as bad, but it's it really is your responsibility not to just follow orders and 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 turn a blind eye. In my mind. Some people will disagree with that. Yeah, I I was thinking about, you know, even more simpler cases, like, especially as a web dev, like, you know, knowing not to build, like, SQL injection, uh, you know, like, deficits into your code. Like, it is on me when I'm developing anything that, like, talks to a database to make sure, to the best of my ability, that I don't write code that makes, you know, little Bobby tables come in and and wreak havoc. And... And, and and that's just part of my job is knowing that and and it it almost has really nothing to do with my personal ethics or morals about whether I think the company right. you know should be that secure or not. It's just like as a developer, like and a web developer, that's good programming and good coding, uh, you know, acumen essentially. So you know, th- there's kind of a baseline yeah. level of stuff you should do above and beyond like whether you worry that your code is going to be used to you know do harm. Or something. I, I I think actually that like data injection is a really good example of the place where people will tend to miss that personal. Uh, there's a whole whole bunch of concerns about privacy invasion, mm-hmm. right? Over the over the last decade or so, that's really become more and more prevalent. Uh, there was I can't believe uh, GDPR. I think it was the, oh, yeah, the was the, the, the European law that passed privacy over law. Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and that there there was financial concerns about the companies because if they violated that law they were at risk Mm -hmm. but also like people's personal information get out last pass this past six months has had a bunch of security issues that has people's passwords for all sorts of sites which means my healthcare 
web, uh, like my the password to get into my healthcare system might be in there. Mm-hmm. Password to get into my bank. And like, if if you work at that company that's writing that and that gets hacked, like the moral responsibility there really is right. on them. Yeah, and 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 to make their stuff better and to fix it faster than someone else's bug, like. Yeah, there, there's definitely level. Like I said, the the ethics and morals is like it's it's like a stakes question of like you know what does yeah. your company work on and what is the stakes versus you know making you know an informational you know website about I don't know a local museum versus you know making avionics software or holding people's financial uh, or 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 password information you know so but all that all that underlying. But there's always some level of concern. Yeah. Unless you're strictly output only and there's no way anybody could do anything mm-hmm. uh, and get any information. Like unless you're putting up like a single page of text. Right. Most code you're going to write is going to have at some level some concern about security or data privacy or or something that ultimately does have real world consequence. Even if it is just like, oh, this costs the company a lot of money and people got laid off. Yeah. Yeah, right. good point. Uh, okay, well, I think now that we've solved the question of what you of why you should make uh, ethical code decisions uh, is done, we can just uh, everybody can just sleep easy now. We got it. We got it. Un- we got it down. We understand. Yeah. <laughs> and the consequentialists will just say that as long as the code doesn't cause a problem, you didn't do anything wrong. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what other people do with my code, that's not my concern. You know, I was just thinking about, like, someone yeah. who uh, writes, like, malware and sells it, you know, on the Silk Road or something like that. Oh, I mean, I just wrote code. It's just zeros and ones. If you use it to, you know, steal someone's crypto, it, that's not on me. I just I just like coding. I just like programming. I just, you know, um, yeah. yeah, not so much. I think, uh, you know, much like with any ethical decision, intent is definitely a part of it. Not just what the end result, but what your intention, malicious or not. Uh, you know, it may be hard to prove that, but it's definitely part of the equation and software development is no different. So what is it? Uh, Alfred Nobel, I think he had, he invented dynamite, right? right? And that's the whole reason that the Nobel prize exists. Cause he's like, Oh crap. I made this thing that was supposed to be helpful for like, I don't know, construction, yeah. uh, <laughs> demolition. And Oh, people are dying because of this. Yeah. This is not a new problem. Yeah, I mean, if if you make something, somebody will find some unethical or immoral way to use it. So, you know, it's a case-by-case basis, I think, at this point. Yeah. So do your best to not yes. let that happen. Do not write code that uh, downs planes or blows up things in a bad way. Um, okay, well, I believe that about covers what we meant to cover. There's a lot more to this uh topic about ethics obviously ethics and morals have been debated for millennia and you know software development and code and personal computers have not been around that long in comparison but you know it's still stuff that's made by humans and used by humans for the most part although of course with ai that's changing and makes it even murkier on who is uh responsible but uh you know we'll probably keep talking about this for time immemorial and but for now uh, that's our show, and uh, we are Hacking the Grepson. You can find us on the interwebs at hackingthegrepson.com. I believe this is episode 34, so there's 33 other episodes you can listen to if you're just joining us for the first time. And um, we are on Twitter at htg underscore podcast for the time being. Uh, and until next time, we now return you to your regular scheduled lives already in progress. <laughs>